Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everyone. We also have with us a special guest, Charlotte Sable, member of the Commander Advisory Group. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show, Charlotte. Yeah, well, good to be back. Well, uh, today we are going to be wrapping up our M21 set review. There are just one more Commander and a handful of main deck cards that we want to talk about. And afterwards, we'll go into our predictions for which cards from the set are going to see the most adoption in the main deck on EDH Rec. So with that, I think we'll jump right into the last new commander to come out of M21. This is Baron Talarian Archmage. One blue-blue for a 2-2 legendary creature, Human Wizard. When he enters the battlefield, return up to one other target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. At the beginning of your end step... If a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield this turn, draw a card. How do you all feel about this new commander? It's an interesting card, certainly. It's 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 saying it can do shenanigans, but it's not you know pointing you in the right in this in the direction to uh, really abuse it. So it's interesting. It's a good build around commander, I, I think. Yeah, I I kind of agree. This kind of promises to give you some value as like a mono blue commander without being just like heinously oppressive um yeah which is kind of interesting he's really not offering you too many cards compared to like other commanders like maybe say like azami who comes down and mm-hmm. is going to draw you a few cards probably when it yeah. hits the battlefield um but yeah. he is going to keep the card flow going um there's a bunch of cards that work with him mm-hmm. so shrieking drake works well with him yeah which is a single blue mana for a 2-1 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, return a creature you control to its owner's hand. So just an easy way to trigger him on every single turn. Similarly, yep. Dream Stalker, Shimmering Wings, Oboro are all cards that are um, cheap or free to play and can bounce themselves to your hand. So mm-hmm. not too difficult to enable his draw trigger, but I, I really think he's going to be more effective in the main deck of other commanders, especially some of the wizard tribal commanders we've seen. The fact that he has an ETB trigger means he works well with both Inala and Naban, and just being a wizard that does something useful is possibly enough to get him into an Azami deck. So that's where I think he's going to have the most impact. Yeah, I mean, certainly if uh, you were already playing an effect like this that bounced creatures and stuff, I mean, there's no reason to not swap Baron out for your Mana War or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say the other deck that I'm excited to play him in is actually Niambi from the same set. So Niambi is a 2-1 with flash for white-blue. Uh, when she enters the battlefield, you can return a creature you control to your hand and gain life equal to its CMC. And then she has an activated ability. One white-blue, tap, discard a legendary card, draw two cards. So you mm-hmm. want to kind of have a critical mass of legendary creatures, but you don't want just like only expensive things to discard and kind of works with her so if you have him down and she dies and you play her again you could either bounce him to bounce something else you could bounce something else and draw a card with baron works pretty well together so that's somewhere i'm excited to try baron out yeah that's cool he definitely also just has a lot of synergies with uh things you can already do in blue with things like uh crystal shard or portal of sanctuary or even cloudstone curio which oh, work yeah. well in those wizardy ETB style sort of decks anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that stuff. All right. Before we go through the rest in color order, I just want to 
briefly touch on a category of cards that we found out in the last day of spoilers, and these are the shrines. So the the first one we'll be talking about is Sanctum of All, which is white, blue, black, red, green for a legendary enchantment shrine. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may search your library and or graveyard for a shrine card and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If an ability of another shrine you control triggers while you control six or more shrines, that ability triggers an additional time. And then in addition to that, we also got five monocolored shrines. There's Sanctum of Tranquil Light, single white mana for a legendary enchantment shrine, five and a white tap target creature. This ability costs one less to activate for each shrine you control. Then Sanctum of Calm Waters, three and a blue for a legendary enchantment shrine. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may draw X cards where X is the number of shrines you control. If you do, discard a card. Then Sanctum of Stone Fangs, one in a black for a legendary enchantment shrine. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of shrines you control. There's Sanctum of Shattered Heights, two in a red for a legendary enchantment shrine. Pay one Discard a land card or shrine card. Sanctum of Shattered Heights deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker, where X is the number of shrines you control. Finally, there is Sanctum of Fruitful Harvest, two and a green for a legendary enchantment shrine. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add X mana of any one color, where X is the number of shrines you control. All right, now that's a lot of information, but basically the Hondens were all shrines from Kamigawa and Six new members have been added, including a five-color one, to search out and, and make it so you're more likely to assemble your shrines together in Commander. How do you feel about the inclusion of shrines? What do you think about these new shrines? And do you think that shrines are going to be a viable archetype in Commander now that they've added these cards? Uh, I like that these cards exist. Shrines were always a cool thing that existed, but really didn't have anything sort of pushing people towards them. But now that there's, you know, more of them and that they don't all cost five mana, there's a bunch of cheaper ones now, which is great. Like none of the uh, other five cost more than four. Yeah, which is, the, I actually think that's really great too. I think they're really cool. I don't know if 10 is enough to build a deck around them, but like certainly maybe like a five color enchantress with shrines would be good. Yeah, I was going to say in another 16 years when we get the next five or six shrines, uh, yeah. maybe we'll, it'll be playable. But um, yeah, I was. Yeah, when these got spoiled, there was actually rumbling about uh, a shrine deck, like how you would go about building a shrine deck and people were asking like, Who's the best commander? From a flavor perspective, obviously it's Okagachi, but from an actual deck building perspective, it's probably the new Sise from Modern Horizons since mm. she can, you know, pull shrines out of your library. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I was also thinking there's a decent chance that people are going to use Sanctum of All as their commander, just kind of homebrew it because it does synergize really well with the shrine plan. It makes it so that yeah. Even though there's only 10 other shrines dispersed across your deck, you're going to get one every turn as as long as the Sanctum is on the battlefield. It kind of makes sense that the Historic Anthology had the shrines in it because these guys are coming next. So that is something you'll be able yeah. to do in Historic Brawl. That's kind of cool. I kind of just agree with you, Charlotte, though, that I just don't think this is still quite enough to get there mm. so even though these are i think more geared towards modern gameplay of them being better i just think all things considered it's 
not still not quite there for me. Yeah. Also, I think with 10 now existing, it actually makes them a bit more uh, appealing in decks that aren't five colors. So like if you have a three color enchantress deck, now you can run six shrines. I was thinking about that for with the blue ones in particular that just yeah, draw you so many cards. Good. Yeah. Well, like the new black one is really solid and the new green one as well. Yeah, so like I'd, I'd been thinking about, I was considering the shrines when I first built my Yarok Enchantress deck. You know, obviously it just wasn't quite good enough. But now that they're now that I could play up to six and all, and like Yarok's colors are like the three best of the new ones, definitely is something I might consider if I end up retooling that deck at all. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Sanctum of Fruitful Harvest is something I was kind of looking at for the same thing you were saying. Just the fact that you could get like two plus mana a turn. For free yeah and maybe get some saplings out of it you know or spirits out of it just that, yeah that seems pretty all right to me yeah honestly even at just one mana a turn it's a pretty decent budget replacement for like carpet of flowers or whatever right mm-hmm. so and it is mana fixing too which is interesting yeah, exactly so, so like i said these are much more and much better geared towards i think modern gameplay so let's mm-hmm. just uh cross our fingers that it really isn't actually 16 more years before we get some more shrines yeah it's cool uh the problem is obviously they can't you know print too many that are too good oh yeah for but sure. like i think it would be cool to see more shrines in like a non-standard product yeah just uh, honestly like uncommon power level shrines because the the whole point of shrine gameplay is that like you accrue value with more of them so yeah exactly if, if they're like print uncommon shrines in the next commander set or whatever that I, I would be much happier with that like you said yeah or like now that there's say now that there's some of all now that there's more monocolored shrines would be cool to start seeing some like multicolored shrines possibly mm, yeah that's actually a good idea w- wizards <laughs> wizards <laughs> please wizards ravnica shrines oh yeah that's pretty Ooh. cool guild shrines yeah guild shrines. i think if we want to move to some main deck cards there's not too many of them yeah. but they are interesting uh we'll start with uh nine lives so this is one white white for an enchantment with hexproof if a source would deal damage to you prevent that damage and put an incarnation counter on nine lives when there are nine or more incarnation counters on nine lives exile it when nine lives leaves the battlefield you lose the game how do you both feel about this card? This this card is like super cute in yeah. flavor, like A plus A plus flavor execution. Cool art, a very interesting card. Um, it doesn't protect you from losing in other ways. It doesn't protect you from losing to loss of life or milling or you know direct law or you know an opponent directly winning the game. But mm. it's a very cool card and definitely has some combo potential with things like uh, solemnity and the like and it's just fit flavorful for like cat decks or whatever you know late game cat deck drop this down probably buys you a couple of turns and maybe that's what you need to win this card stood out to me because it's so similar to phyrexian unlife so phyrexian unlife was from new phyrexia and it's a also a white enchantment two and a white mm-hmm. you don't lose the game for having zero or less life as long as you have zero or less life, all damage is dealt to you as though its source had infect. So both of them sort of slot into a combo with Solemnity, which mm-hmm. is an enchantment from Hour of Devastation. Two and a white. Players can't get counters. Counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. So in both cases, 
the solemnity prevents counters from either being added to yourself in the case of Phyrexian Unlife or to nine lives in the case of this card. And it makes it so you're basically invulnerable to damage. Now, currently about 21% of Xur the Enchanter decks run the Phyrexian Unlife and Solemnity combo. So I think that nine lives could potentially slot in over Phyrexian Unlife because it has Hexproof, so it's a little bit more a uh, little bit less vulnerable to removal and also it's definitely a cuter card yeah yeah pretty much echoing that sentiment i think that this card is really cute i think it will have a place um kind of already where other cards were so not sure how much it adds to the format other than adorable art um mm -hmm. but yeah I, I i can't wait to uh donate this with eight counters on it that's, that's going to be my goal. Yeah. Oh, I saw a really cute thing on Twitter the other day. There was someone who was basically like, if you showed him a receipt for any donation to like uh, a good charity, he and you sent them a picture of your cat in a similar pose, he would Photoshop your cat into nine lives for you. Oh, huh. that's so good. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah, I don't have it at hand, but that was a cool thing. So yay, yay community doing good stuff. Yeah, if you can find it, we can link it in the show notes or something so people yeah, can absolutely. see it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I can. It got lost. It was a couple days ago, so oh, yeah. it's, you know, lost, lost in the, the shuffle, yeah. Basically gone forever. But someone might hear it and know about it and comment or something, but mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. If you did get a cool uh, cat picture, uh, let us know. Please, please, I want to see your cat. We 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 just want to see your cat anyway, probably. Yeah, right? it's like when cats jump into the Zoom chat, and you're like, yeah, like everyone's like, oh, cat. I'm so sorry, and everyone in the chat or is there's like, there's a cat on street on a stream or something. Yeah, like, everyone's like, no, we want this, we wanted this. <laughs> I think we're good to move on. Do you want to hit up uh, yep. this next guy? Sure. This is Ghostly Pilferer, one in the blue for a two-one creature spirit rogue. When it becomes untapped, you may pay two. If you do, draw a card. Whenever an opponent casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card. And discard a card, Ghostly Pilferer can't be blocked this turn. How do y'all feel about mm -hmm. this card? First of all, the, the, the creature type combo Spirit Rogue is just super cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. And this is the first Spirit Rogue in Magic, so we've had like Spirit Pirates and stuff, but Spirit Rogue just sounds really cool by itself. It's a cool card. I like I like the sort of inbuilt uh, reference to Key to the City in its abilities. So obviously it stole the Key to the City at some point and is keeping it for itself. I think it's a nice little sort of mildly staxy value piece. Any sort of spirit deck probably is going to want this, or anything that has ways to make mana and untap this, possibly as some sort of engine. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a lot of value. I loved the key to the city throwback, and I just think that this guy can do a decent amount of work in various places. Yeah, I was thinking in uh, Riel, the Everwise. So Riel has, whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn draw that many cards although you only get it once per turn on your opponent's turn say you could just get a free rummage by discarding a card yeah. to this guy and drawing off of riel to sculpt yeah, your you hand just, pretty quickly you just get to cycle a card every turn for free basically all right uh, i think we can move on to the next card it is shacklegeist one in the blue for a 2-2 creature spirit with flying it can block only creatures with flying and you can tap two untapped spirits you control to tap target creature you don't control. How do you all feel about this? I like it. It's decent. Again, it's for spirit decks or decks that make a bunch of spirits. I like that it's 2-2. Two, two. 
rather than a 2-1 like it would have been in the past, but I mean it can't it can only block flyers, so it's maybe less useful, but it's a cool it's it's nice it's nice square stats, so yeah, I would love to see a spirit tribal commander that's a bit more explicit than what we've gotten so far. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. like the closest thing right now is like maybe Kaikar cuz he makes a bunch of spirits, but it's also difficult to like cut the non-creature cards that trigger him for cards yeah. like this that um, yeah. are spirits. All in spirit Kaikar, like if you were playing a bunch of things that made more spirit tokens as well. Uh this could be decent for that. It's an interesting card. I think this is probably going to have maybe more application in like Pioneer or something like that, though. Mm, yeah, I, I actually kind of agree with or you there. Or Modern or something. Yeah, I think the Modern lists are going to have a better time with this. Or That is my thought about this was still like the Kaikar thing. It's like, that's probably the place I would want to play it, but I don't know what I'm going to cut for it. So I'll figure something out. But uh, like, it's really good with Kaikar because you because Kaikar doesn't need to like tap the the spirits to get mana from them so and generally you don't kaikar doesn't want to block with his spirit tokens anyway so this is a good way to sort of use them defensively yeah definitely all right uh, moving on to the last new card we're going to be talking about today it is unleash fury one in a red for an instant double the power of target creature until end of turn i am a huge fan of this card how do you guys feel about it it's cool it's so clean it's one of those effects that's like you look at it and it's like how does this not exist already mm-hmm. yeah I feel like this, the like if this had existed in the game, it would have been like a rare in like Ice Age or something like that, like mm-hmm. or like Mirage. Or... Yeah, I agree with you. I'm amazed that this hasn't been it, done it, before. It but... would be randomly on the reserve list. And... Exactly. <laughs> so I'm glad we like got it. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Just so you know, if if you ever wanted a year, it is a yeah. white instant two and a white <laughs> target creature. Defending player controls gets plus three plus zero until end of turn. That creature may be assigned to block up to three creatures this turn. All blocks must be legal. Yeah. Exactly the kind of trick like this, honestly. <laughs> Where you just like kind of out of nowhere do something ridiculous that I think would have been like up rarity, upshifted in rarity. At some yeah. Point. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Probably also would have cost more back in the day. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what we have now is a very solid, simple, uncommon. It's good. Part of me wishes it gave trample or something. Mm. Because, like, I still think it's generally, unless unless you have other, like, I think it's generally, like, worse than uh, Teamer Battle Rage in most applications, unless you're doing, like, non-combat stuff. But, you know, in combination with it, it's a nice, it's a nice option, certainly. Yeah, I, I like it a lot in Kalamax, the Storm Sire. So yeah. Kalamax, uh, if he's tapped, the first instant spell you cast each turn gets copied. So if you were to, say, attack with Kalamax, if he already has one counter on him and you cast this, then Kalamax is going to get a counter from the copy. He'll get two Unleashed Furies. And yeah. so like you'll just get quad damage and then you'll deal more than 21 commander damage and kill your opponent. So if you're going for that type of one-shot Kalamax build alongside like Fatal Frenzy and Berserk, then this is a great tool for that deck and you don't even have to sack your commander afterwards. Yeah, I have a deck that plays some of those cards. Like I have my Ocon Zinder Split Coin Flip deck that usually kills with like one-shots with Ocon. And this card's interesting for that, but it doesn't really do what that deck wants. It, it's more, uh, that deck more wants things that give trample or ways to punch through 
right? Because mm-hmm. because Ocon takes care of his own power. This is basically one extra coin flip win. But you know, I don't think I want it in that deck. But it's still a very good tool for other decks. Probably also something you'd want in like a Xenagos God of Revels deck, that sort of thing. Definitely, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I was also thinking some Voltron commanders for things like Greven or Feather or some of the seven power Voltron commanders, like just getting a, a Zergo down, hitting for seven, and then next turn attacking again, unleashing Fury. That's 21 commander right there. Yeah, the noob team with uh, Ruhan also, like you're, you're like, oh, he picked you again, eh? <laughs> Here he comes. Oh, no blocks, eh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of the new cards. And then at the end of each set review, we like to do a prediction list. So we go over our predictions from the last major release and see how we scored. And then we put out some new predictions of what cards are going to see the most play in decks on EDH Rec. So Zach, do you want to start off by reading out your predictions from Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths? Yes, Ikoria had a lot of interesting cards in it so it was kind of it was really hard to tell what would maybe become a staple my picks were luminous Broodmoth, just a good combo card heartless act just a good kill spell migration path which is basically exploding vegetation but a little bit better with cycling eerie ultimatum ruinous ultimatum extinction event ominous seas draineth magistrate colossification and fiend artisan um so I think some of these were <laughs> goofy throwaway ones. Not so much throwaway, like classification. I think sometimes just having a 2020 commander wins you the game, <laughs> uh, which is very silly. So I, I figured people might try it. And I do want to say one caveat where I was trying to stay away from too many legendary creatures and too many um, the lands. I feel like the lands was going to be too easy of a prediction. So I didn't mention those guys, but uh, spoiler alert. My predictions were Migration Path, Heartless Act, Reconnaissance Mission, Shark Typhoon, Fiend Artisan, Luminous Broodmoth, Vivian Monsters Advocate, Wilt, Dire Tactics, and Draneth Magistrate. Let's go into the actual top 10. Yes. And we are going to do a little bit of combining similar things here. So number one by a fair margin are the five triomes. Following that is Draneth Magistrate, Migration Path, the Ozolith, Bastion of Remembrance, Eerie Ultimatum, Ruinous Ultimatum, Ominous Seas, Reconnaissance Mission, and Gem Razor. Zach, I believe you got five out of ten mm-hmm. on that top ten. Mm-hmm. And I got four out of ten. So let's talk about the areas where we uh, yeah we missed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start with the triumphs. So my expectation was that you know the number of decks that the triumphs can fit into is pretty narrow. We often give weight to um, things like Fabled Passage or Prismatic Vista that go into a wide variety of decks, but because the triumphs only fit into three color or uh, the four color identities, five color identities, and the wedge commanders. I didn't think we'd see as much adoption as some of the land cycles we get that um, are fit into more decks. So that was a surprise, and it's definitely something I'm going to be thinking about when we see lands with unusual color identities. Yeah, I think the other one too is that both of us had um, 
like single target removal in various forms, Heartless Act, Wilt, that kind of stuff, Dire Tactics. And I think one of the things about those is that they're not they're not sexy. Yeah. They're not like exciting. So even if they're better, um, it people aren't like rushing to put them into lists, I think was one of the things that I learned from this. Mm-hmm. So the, a lot of the cards that did make it on the list, other than just like Migration Path, which is just good. It's just like obviously an improvement and people picked up on it um, was like the Ozolith, which is like, a, that's a sexy card. It's like a, it's an interesting effect. You get to play with it. You put your counters on it. It's got like interesting gameplay. Um, literally the physical act of like pushing a heap of counters onto the Ozolith and pushing a heap of counters onto a creature. There's like something there to that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think splashy effects too are things that, um, Sometimes I forget my commander roots and commander's roots of just being about that battle cruiser feel. So I, I I made the call with the the ultimatums this time that was correct. I just figured pretty much every deck in those colors was gonna run it. Um, but I'm gonna look forward to that in the future for like uh just things that are like that draw, that appeal, mm-hmm. that really well, like, that visceral, like, well, everything in my graveyard has a different name. So Yeah. Exactly. One other thing I want to mention is price having an effect. Oh, so yeah. on my predictions, I included Fiend Artisan, Luminous Brood Moth, and Vivian Monsters Advocate. All of these ended up being like ten-ish plus mm-hmm. dollars. Yeah. And that's just uh, going to negatively impact the adoption and I, sh- I should have factored that in a bit more. Yeah, that was actually, I think, because we both thought Luminous Broodmoth just because it is such a good card, it's such an interesting card, it works in so many different lists, but because of that, the price tag is a little bit expensive, so I'm pretty sure it picked up a lot less less play than if it were, like, say, the um, Shark Typhoon. Interestingly, uh, Luminous Broodmoth is actually, we, we only read off the top 10 earlier. Luminous Broodmoth is actually number 11. Oh, okay. So we were close. Yeah. We were pretty close there. Well, we'll give us, we'll give ourselves half a point for mm-hmm. that one. And we've been pretty consistently about the five hit rate on these. So I think, uh, I think this batch we're going to do, I'm, I'm saying we're going to start hitting a little higher. I'm going to guess it. I'm yeah. Say it now. That tells you a little bit about our uh, confidence in the and how popular M21 yeah. will be among Commander players. Yes. But do you mind if I start off with my predictions for the top 10 most adopted new cards from M21 on EDH Rec? Go for it. All right. You know, we'll say that order doesn't matter yeah, so much. We numbered them for ease of remembering, but these don't necessarily need to be in this order. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I've got Mangara the Diplomat on here. So Mangara the Diplomat is the new white creature. It's basically a mono-white card draw engine that draws cards whenever an opponent casts a second spell in their turn or attacks you and or Planeswalkers you control with two or more creatures. Um, So white really doesn't have any notable card draw effects, and it's such an important part of the game. I really think this is going to see a lot of adoption, but I will put the caveat on there that Mangara could end up being an expensive card and that might affect its ability to to break into the top 10. Number two, I've got Terror of the Peaks. So Warstorm Surge is in 13,486 decks on EDH Rec and Terror of the Peaks is basically a slightly cheaper version of the effect on a, a big old dragon. So I think this is going to be very popular Again, this is a mythic. Price tag may shake out 
to be a little high. We'll see if that keeps it off the top 10. Next, I've got Soul Seer, which is two and a red for an instant. Deal five damage target creature or planeswalker. If it has indestructible, it loses indestructible. Um, I'm, I just think this is a really, one of, one of the best red spot removal spells we've gotten in a very long time. And I, although it's not sexy, I think it's a very good card and I would hope that it sees some adoption. But again, not sexy and, and people may not be looking out for this type of effect. Next is Garak's Uprising, which does a lot of things. It gives all your creatures trample. It's two and a green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, if you have a creature with power four or greater, you draw a card. And then whenever another creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. Elemental Bond is the easiest point of comparison. That's two and a green for an enchantment that whenever a creature with power three or greater enters the battlefield under your control, you get to draw a card. So that's in 14,230 decks on EDH rec. So even though Garak's Uprising is a bit more uh, picky in what types of creatures it'll trigger for, it also does a lot of stuff. It does more stuff than Elemental Bond, and so I'm thinking it'll see some adoption. Next, we've got Conspicuous Snoop, the goblin combo piece that lets you cast goblins off the top of your library and gains their activated abilities. Uh, this is essential to any goblin list, and there are many, many goblin lists in Commander, so I expect to see some adoption for that. Uh, Teferi's Ageless Insight. It, I'm, I'm basing this prediction off of Alhamret's Archive being in almost 10,000 decks on EDH rec, many of which are blue. Teferi's Ageless Insight gives you two blue-blue uh, legendary enchantment. If you would draw a card, except the first card you draw on each of your turns, draw two cards instead. So it basically gives you the best part of Alhamret's Archive for one less mana, although its color identity is more restrictive. But it's also less fragile, so I hope we're going to see a, bit, a fair bit of that. Next is Sublime Epiphany, and I've forgotten what that does. Oh man, it does so many things. It's the 31 flavors card. Yeah. 31 flavors of control. So it's four blue-blue for an instant. Choose one or more. Counter-target spell, counter-target activated or triggered ability. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Create a token of a cop. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, and target player draws a card. I think this is. It, I mean, it looks like a cryptic command, but more. I mean, it's not nearly as good as cryptic command, but I think people are going to adopt it because it looks so powerful and impactful, and it's it's sexy. It's very sexy. Uh, speaking of sexy cards, yes, <laughs> uh, I think that we're going to see. Uh, Fiery Emancipation get a fair bit of adoption in Commander, which is three red, red, red for an enchantment. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. Boom. Boom. It's already pre-selling for $12 for a card that certainly is only going to see play in Commander. So I think we're likely to see some good adoption on that one. It really... Uh, Plucks at the heartstrings of any Timmy, I'm certain. Yeah. Next, we've got Sanctum of All. This is the Wooburg Legendary Shrine. I think people are going to be building the sh Shrine decks. I think people are going to be using this as a commander. I think it's just going to make its way into a lot of decks because people really love their Hondans. Yeah, I, that's actually a really good choice. Okay, and last card I think we're going to see a fair amount of adoption for is Vito, Thorn of the Dusk Rose. So this is a legendary creature, but I actually think it's going to see a fair bit of main deck play. And the reason for that is it's essentially a Sanguine Bond, but two mana less. 
and it's got a relevant creature type because it has whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life, and it's two and a black. So any deck that's looking to pull off that kind of combo, it's likely going to be easier to try to search out your veto than to search out multiple enchantments. So I think that that might swap in for Sanguine Bond, which is currently in 12,360 decks on EDH rec. I have a lot of overlap with Nick, but... All right, so first place I have Mangara, because Mangara. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, second, I have Fiery Emancipation, because it's just something that every deck wants. It's getting a lot of hype, but it's, it's something that people can slot into their decks easily without too much thought. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Third, I have Teferi's Ageless Insight. The price is just right compared to Ahamert's Archive. Yeah, it's just a solid card. Yeah. Uh, then I have the Conspicuous Snoop, which is going to go in like every goblin deck ever. Um, and just has great flavor and amazing art. Uh, then I have Terror of the Peaks, which I think... Yeah, you covered Terror of the Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have Sublime Epiphany. And then we're getting into more of the spice on my deck. My number seven is Peer into the Abyss, which is... Four black, black, black sorcery target player draws half their library and loses half their life round up in each case. Uh, It's a big, sexy card with a big, sexy effect. There's ways to double the life loss to kill people with it. It's a cool combo piece if your deck's making infinite mana anyway. I don't know. It's a fun, it's a fun, neat card that's going to like, you know, tickle the Timmy, uh, the Johnny brain of people. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, number eight is Gr- I have Grook's Uprising. The number nine, uh, I have another big sexy card in Chromatic Orrery, which is a seven mana artifact, uh, legendary. It lets you. Sp- it basically lets you watch all your mana, so you can spend mana as though it were mana of any color. It taps for five colorless or five tap. Draw a card for each color among permanents you control. Um, like as we saw last year, more and more five color decks are getting made. Uh, it's just a cool big card in any deck that's like, you know, I think four or five colors is going to want it. Even three color decks might want it. Any artifact deck probably wants it. And then my sleeper pick is Archfiend's Vessel, which is a 1-1 human cleric for one with lifelink. And then when it enters the battlefield, if it entered from your graveyard or you cast it from your graveyard, exile it. And if you do, you make a 5-5 uh, demon creature token. People like their reanimator decks. People like, you know, their uh, aristocrats style decks, and people like demons. And this card just is a whole bunch of value for not a lot of cost. And I think it'll see fairly wide adoption in the sorts of decks that's looking for this sort of effect. And it's just a very unique sort of thing that we haven't seen before. So I think that'll see a reasonable amount of play. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong on that one. So that's yeah. my 10. No, it's okay. I also have some some uh, questionable ones. Yes, yeah, so I I put some. I try to be not the same as Nick, even though I agree with Nick on a lot of his. And actually, uh, kind of was waffling on Sanctum of All on my list too. So I'm glad Nick mm-hmm. noted it down. But yeah, I think those are reasonable. I I like if if between the three of us we don't have perfect overlap. I think that's a better thing. So yeah. So I guess for my picks uh, again, Mangara. I think Mangara. It's already been said white needs this effect and here it is so we'll see how expensive it gets i said to fairy's ageless insight i think uh 
one of the things holding all Hallmark's archive back was the price tag. So this is going to be decidedly much less money. I think it's going to be played pretty well. And it's just much cheaper as an effect for mana. Like, comes down a whole turn earlier. Uh, you can really start taking off that next turn. Um, I overvalue white cards on these on purpose. I think white and red still need more staples. So my next card is Basri's Lieutenant. So Basri's Lieutenant is a 3-4 Vigilance with protection from multicolored or 3 and a white. They are a human knight. When Basri's Lieutenant enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Whenever Basri's Lieutenant or another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one plus one counter on it, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with Vigilance. So I mentioned this one because it's white. Uh, it works with plus one plus one counters. There's a ton of plus one plus one counter lists. And uh, it would not surprise me if just this the combination of this guy's beef and token and counterproduction just kind of all adds up over time. Terror of the Peaks, we mentioned before, um, everyone loves just cracking people for creatures power. He's a red dragon. He's really good. Brash Taunter. So Brash Taunter is a 1-1 goblin for four and a red. It has indestructible and whenever it is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponent. It has three red tap. Brash Taunter fights another target creature. I think that one of the things about Stuffy Doll is that Stuffy Doll has some fans. And Stuffy Doll is played in like kind of silly combo lists that you like name someone, you say Blast Act and stuff like that and like deal damage to creatures. Uh, this fits into a lot of those lists, but also is like kind of newer and you can pick who you're going to hit with it, which is one of the problems Stuffy Doll has is that if you do eventually kill the person that you named with Stuffy Doll, you're going to have to figure out a way to get Stuffy Doll back into your hand so i think that the fact that this hits multiple people and is just very funny and like has a lot of table play is gonna hopefully it's gonna see a lot of play i said pack leader on here and i specifically just think people are gonna play it because they want to play with dogs and this is one of the best dogs that we got so pack leader is a 2-2 dog for one and a white other dogs you control get plus one plus one and whenever pack leader attacks prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn to dogs you control so just a very efficient dog lord. Next, Sublime Epiphany. Uh, we've already mentioned it. It also combos with Dualcaster Mage or Narumeha. So you, you can just win the game with it too. Surprise, big splashy blue card wins the game. Conspicuous Snoop, uh, as mentioned by my two friends here. I said Fire Emancipation. A triple just looks so good on a card. You go, mmm, triple. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm going to guess that Teferi Master of Time, just because I think the gimmick is strong enough that people want to try it. I'm not super confident on that one, though. There's a few on here that are kind of out of left field. Taunter, Pack Leader, and Teferi are the three that I'm like, mm -hmm. hmm. But I wanted to mention them because I think that they're good cards in general, and I, well, I want to see what happens. So... How do we feel overall, like the two of you, about this set? Uh, there's a lot of concerns about power level and things. Uh, now that we've seen the whole set, what are your like final thoughts? It seems relatively well balanced overall. It's better for Commander than the last core set was, since it provides some cool new tools and cool new commanders, but it doesn't have anything that's like pushed to the sort of level that uh, Yarok was last year or Golos or that sort of thing. I like this set a lot. It feels to me like the power is concentrated on more narrow effects. And this may have been because they were trying to align the design with that of Jumpstart and needed to make 46 different themes work. But 
it feels like it's less like raw power and i mean there's raw power but that's mostly like in the reprints like azusa and ugin and grim tutor most of the new cards uh with one with a few exceptions seem to be like i am supporting this archetype i'm supporting this archetype and that's great i would much rather see a top 10 like this where it's like man really hard to see what's going to see widespread adoption because so many of the cards are only supporting one or two decks that's way yeah. cooler to me than like say in Akoria where it's like oh here's this strictly better doom blade and this strictly better counter spell and this strictly better naturalize and and stuff like that that is not nearly as fun or sexy mm-hmm. as like wow my deck worked this like archetype i've been trying to make work for years actually works now yeah exactly I will say I'm a little disappointed that they seem to have pushed a couple of their sort of usual things into Jumpstart rather than the core set. Like there is no new uh, there's one uncommon demon, no new sphinxes. It's interesting. Yeah, they really used the core set this time. It seemed like more for as the toolbox for standard as opposed to this is what magic is, which is kind of like when M10 came around. I think maybe that just might be my uh, old perception on what core sets are supposed to be like. And I think internally what they're going to use them for, what they think core sets are internally is just shifted. But honestly, if they keep just printing them like this forever. Yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great set. So yeah, overall, I think a lot of people's concerns, they were jumping the gun a little bit. I think it was a little bit too early to really voice things. And really, when you step back and think of the cards and like where they go, especially the new cards really aren't pushing things too too far in any, any heinous direction, at least it seems like from this point. But that's it. We finally finished m21 so yeah yeah thank you for listening we know that spoiler episodes can be a slog sometimes there's not every listener is um super interested in the spoiler content but it's also kind of people are into it and it i think it's also a good thought experiment to see like okay where does this card go where does this card go even if you don't have these decks so in some ways it still does really fit with kind of like our mission statement on the show to be like okay, if we're going to look at these cards, like what's going on? Is this going to see adoption? So thank you for sticking with us. Hopefully you had some fun. We had fun doing this. So yep. Yeah, and we really appreciate you coming on the show, Charlotte, Absolutely. sharing your Anytime. expertise. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to have you with us. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a good time. You know, I'm always happy to come on and share my opinion. And yeah, Ooh. it just happened to work out that I came on to talk about the... Uh, Rules change, and then you were doing this, and I stuck around, so yeah, it's all good. It's great, and uh, yeah, we'll have you on uh, as soon as we can, really. It's going to be some busy times. There's going to be boiler season again so soon, yeah. so <laughs> soon, but uh, hopefully we can get you on for something a little bit more more fun, um, but definitely yeah, your, your insight was very valued. It was actually... You brought up a lot of points that I was definitely going to have to look up at some point in time, so thank you so much, mm-hmm. and... With that said, do you want to plug where people can find you? You can find me on Twitter at JQLGirl. That's the best way to get in touch with me. I also have my currently slightly dormant uh, blog at magicjudge.tumblr.com. And I write every four weeks for Cranial Insertion, the longest running rules question and answer column on the internet for Magic the Gathering. That's where you can find me. Also, I'm on the uh, Commander Theory Discord plug plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's it definitely it's been nice to have you there too 
Yeah, and uh, if you want to chat with Charlotte on our Discord, just go ahead and uh, join the Commander Theory Patreon at patreon.com slash commander theory. So yeah, so the last thing I was going to say is these have been linked in the episode description notes, the last few sets. So we, we've been neglecting to have Charlotte speak for herself, but it has been linked if you go back and click on those links. Want to connect with Charlotte. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you for coming on and yeah, we will we'll talk to you soon. Bye. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board. <laughs>